Welcome to Through the Human Geography Lens, a podcast brought to you by the Worldwide Human Geography Data Working Group, or WWHGD. I'm Terry Ryan, and I'm here with my co-host, Gwyneth Holt, and our guest, Dr. Budu Baduri, Director of the Geospatial Science and Human Security Division and a Corporate Research Fellow at Oak Ridge National Lab. Thank you, Budu, for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Yes, of course. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career path uh, to Oak Ridge National Lab? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I was born and raised in um, eastern part of India in a small city called Calcutta. Um, Geographically very small, population-wise very big, um, 20 million plus people. And um, I went to college to get a degree in geology, and then I had a master's, a bachelor's and a master's, and I came to the United States in, back in 1992 to pursue grad school. And as I um, kind of jokingly tell my kids that I started at the core of the planet uh, Earth and with a degree in geology. And as, as I kept going further in my academics, I started floating to the top and kind of um, came to the surface uh, during my PhD at Purdue. And uh, I was looking at geomorphology and surficial processes and human impacts on, on watersheds and looking at satellites. So I went from all the way from the core of the earth, then the mantle, all the way up to the space looking down. So it was a fantastic, wonderful journey, learning about um, how the planet was formed, how it operates under the surface, how it operates on the surface, and how we observe it from space uh, far out. And then after graduating, I um, was looking for interesting opportunities um, to pursue as a profession. Um, you know, I, I had several um, work in industry, work in GIS industry, in consulting, become a professor at an Arban University. And then there was this uh, interesting opportunity to come and talk to people at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. And I have never been to Tennessee before. and um, so, and I learned a little bit about what um, the, the lab does, but, uh, you know, it was a very uh, intriguing choice. And I came down and I spent a day and um, I fell in love with this place. So I ignored all the other ones and signed up to be a research scientist here uh, with a plan of um, living in two years and going to the East Coast and having, being close to friends and family. And I tell everybody my secret that it is still the plan. In two years, I am going to be going to the East Coast. It's just been 24. And, uh, and I'm just terrible at executing that plan and, and at the end of two years. But the best part is it's been a wonderful journey um, here um, as, a, as a, professional, you know, a professional path. Uh, getting to work with uh, incredibly talented people, and most of all, you know, spending um, something that I fell in love with, which is geographical sciences. Wow, that's a great story. Um, so, where would you go? Um, two years. Say we're we'll, we're going to go with the two-year timeline in the on the East Coast. Where are you thinking? You know, that's a great question. I, I think uh, the coast has um, become a little more flexible. Uh, if you ask my wife, she might say that you know it, 
it would be an eastward journey and it could end up in Europe uh, for oh, all yeah. that matters, right? Um, I think I'm at a stage of my career where um, I have um, I have a responsibility to give back to the community that I have gained from, both academic and professional. So while you know I am tied to a prison national laboratory, I'm, I'm loyal to a prison national laboratory. I have spent as much time here that I have spent growing up in India. Um, but you know, as as a professional in in the field of geographical sciences, I owe it to the community that has made me who I am today. So. Uh, I, I would like to give back. Uh, I try to give back, and I would like to give back more and, and work on challenging problems, um, you know, for the rest of my life, hopefully for a long time. That's a great story. Yeah, what a journey. So coming back coming back to Oak Ridge, um, for those listener, listeners who might not know, what is the mission of Oak Ridge, and then what is your role there Um and then you said you've worked there for 24 years. Am I doing my math right? That's correct. I started on November 2nd of 1998. You know, um, so it's a great question. And I face this question all the time that, you know, how did you end up there and why are you still there? Um, so Oak Ridge National Laboratory is one of the 17 national laboratories that operate under the auspicious of the Department of Energy. Uh, the National Laboratory System started back in the days of Manhattan Project. Uh, that's where, you know, for the 75 years plus back, uh, this was the largest investment that the nation made for science, trying to um, create um, the, you know, enrich plutonium to create uh, what the Einstein vision was for um a weapon that could be extremely powerful. So our history is tied to the Second World War, World War II, uh, creating the atom bomb. Um, so Oak Ridge, Los Alamos, and Hanford are the three nucleuses that changed human civilization, the history of the planet and our nation. And believe it or not, although it was uh, you know, uh, and the largest investment for science, it was for national security, which is an interesting, um, you know, story. Um, so um, today, the, you know, the 75 years later, the 17 national labs um, support the Department of Energy's key missions space, which is energy, environment, and national security. Um, we are, you know, our our breadth and depth of our science and technology is far reaching. Uh, there has been many, many things that came out of um, investments that have gone into the national labs. So we, we work exclusively to support the federal mission, uh, DOE and any of its partner federal agencies that, um, that whose missions are aligned with DOEs, which is energy environment and national security. We are not designed to compete with academia or, or industry, we bridge the gap, the valley between academia and industry. So we do some basic research, we do some level of production, but it is really the translational research that we do in partnership with academia, as well as industry that makes the nation successful in, in many different ways. So, you know, it's an amazing story, an amazing history. Um, you know, I did not know till I came to Oak Ridge that um, 
the fact that the Y chromosome uh, creates, uh, uh, dictates the gender of a baby was first discovered at Oak Ridge oh, wow. uh, as part of the nuclear um, you know, mission uh, looking at uh, mouse genomes. Um, the whole history of cancer radiation treatment came out of the nuclear research that started at Oak Ridge on mice. And even today, we produce very important isotopes that go and, and serve the medical industry as well as you know, as, you know agencies like NASA for sending uh, the rover to Mars and how uh, the isotopes generate energy for the Mars rover to operate on the Mars, surf, Mars surface. It, it's an incredible history and incredible investment from the nation uh, to bring talent for the you know for the last 75 years from all over the world uh, who come and do amazing work every day um, to you know change lives uh, across the planet um, today probably we are also known for the largest supercomputer that the nation has we are the largest computing complex in the world and one of the reasons we have been able to make such incredible impact on the human geography community is you know, our coexistence with, you know, our colleagues in, in computing and scalable computing that have allowed us to understand how do you use these very large machines for the geographical sciences and bringing that for creating solutions across the board of DOE's mission. So um, it's a special place. Everybody should make it a point to come and see us sometime. Wow. That is incredibly broad mission and, and, and what a deep and rich history. I mean, I'd love to come visit sometime. So Budi, you talk about, you know, the partnerships and the value of the partnerships between academia um, and private industry. So it's no surprise that um, 10 years ago, you were in the room when the Worldwide Human Geography Data Working Group was formed. And um, we had Lee Schwartz, the geographer of the United States, in the studio last week. And I talked to him about the fact that I just ran across that um, sign-in sheet from that very first meeting that we had where we, we really formulated the vision of the WWHGD. Um, so in, in your 10 years of being a member, and I, I think I've seen you at every single event we've had, um, what value have you found with the partnership? Of, with the WWHGD? You know, I, I really appreciate that question because I do remember the invitation from Lee and John Gulgesian at that time, who was the director of SOURCE. Um, and, uh, and the other person who was instrumental was Liz Lyon. And uh, every time I walk through Ronald Reagan building and I look at that room, I think of WWHGD, the inception, the first meeting. That's awesome. It, it's been a fantastic journey for the last decade or so. Um, I should also acknowledge that, you know, there is one person who I would attribute uh, a lot of credit for is, um, is Steve Allness. He Absolutely. was uh, another person in NGA at the time in NGA Source. And Steve did this remarkable job of creating the high field community, which is the Homeland Infrastructure Foundation level data community that built a very strong and broad partnership across the public and private sector, including, you know, uh, academia and national lab for the nation following the 9-11 crisis that we had. 
that kind of served as the underlying motivation for scaling something for the whole world. And so that's, uh, you know, Steve, um, we should not forget uh, Steve and his work in making that a successful um, journey that, that inspired all of us to uh, take this thing on. Um, there is a there is some success in being able to work in an area, uh, but the bigger success lies in when you have been able to create a community that sustains itself, that speaks to the impact of a particular domain or a particular topic. And we all felt in that you know that day in that room that you know the time will be the biggest test for us. Uh, whether this will sustain itself and create a community around it, which will, you know, feed from each other and enrich each other and form partnerships and, and you know, demonstrate, keep demonstrating new innovations and creativity in the field. So, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly proud to be an honor to be part of that community that, you know, 10 years down the road, we are talking about it and, and that WWAGD is, stands broader, stronger, and more vibrant than the number of people who started that in, in that room. Yeah, thank you for that answer. And and it's it's so wonderful to hear those names again. Um, I mean, certainly Steve Allness, he he really did have this great vision. And, and I hear he's retired now, um, I think enjoying life in Florida. Yes. So maybe maybe he'll be able to spare 20 minutes and listen to this podcast because I'd really like him to to hear this and maybe relive some of those days when, when you know, the Highfield, as you say, wonderful community still going strong today. And then, of course, the Worldwide Human Geography Data Working Group, um, over 5,000 members cataloged um, 5,100 data sources um, that's openly available um, and able to be shared throughout the community. So it, it's a great testament to the, the work and the people. Who were there on that first day? Yeah, and part of those partnerships, um, part of the the strong partnership, I guess I should say, that we've had with you and Oak Ridge Boodoo has been back in 2018. The WWHD partnered with the Urban Dynamics Institute that you were leading at the time um, to organize the Human Geography Dimensions of Energy Access and Use Symposium. Um, it was hosted at Georgetown University. Can't believe this is four years ago already does not seem like that long ago. Um, but we talked a little bit about why partnerships are so important, and but can you talk about why partnering on this particular topic to discover data was so important? I, again, I, I, I want to thank you for that question because um, there is a strong history behind the connection of geographical sciences or geospatial science with the nation's energy mission. Um, as I mentioned that, um, you know, when Manhattan Project started back in, in the early 40s, um, in all my years at Oak Ridge, one of the things that I have always asked that why did geographical sciences become part of the Department of Energy's mission? Or why did this kind of activity started here? Um, you know, the secret lies, which took me years to uncover, is uh, if you go to the National Buildings Museum across the street from the Keck Center, there is a special exhibit on the Manhattan Project. Okay? And there are some of these incredible maps that um, 
you know, are hung and displayed at that place that explains the first use of so-called what we later um, call GIS um, in terms of site selection. So where would you want to put um, these facilities? So it was not just by accident that these three locations were chosen, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, Los Alamos, you know, New Mexico, and Hanford in, in Washington state. If you go and look at those maps, you realize that what, you know, we do it as a middle school exercise about, you know, siting analysis, that's what had to be done to create these three locations or to choose this location. So at the time, probably people didn't think that they were running geographical analysis. They were just trying to pick the best parts to execute that mission. But today, looking back, it, it was nothing but how geographic data and, and, and the same constraints that we use for geographical analysis, you know, were foundational to this critical mission for the nation and for the world, right? So if you fast forward, um, there are incredible examples of how geographical sciences have benefited the nation's energy mission, renewable energy, you know, where do you find wind energy? Where do you find science, you know, solar energy? Where do you find hydropower? Where are the streams with medium potential that you can go exploit to increase your hydropower? Where do you grow bioenergy crops to, you know, um, increase your renewables? These are all geographical questions and, you know, they, they have a strong impact. But I also want to tell you that, you know, how the energy mission enriched the geographical sciences, the questions. Um, because people are the ones who drive energy demand and energy consumption, right? The humans. And that is where the strong ties of human geographies. I always used to you know, when I would give um, talks and, and, and seminars, I always used to, uh, you know, very uh, jokingly say that, you know, that one of the easiest ways to deal with the climate and the transportation challenges for, for, for the world and the nation is we all stayed home. And because uh, that would instantly, you know, I never thought that that would almost <laughs> become reality. And you instantly got to see the impact, right? The environment Absolutely, cleaned up, right? you know. <laughs> uh, you could see better. The air quality improved. Um, but it has different kinds of consequences if we all stay home, but which humans are, we as a species are not designed and programmed to stay at one spot. We move. We move because of curiosity, and that's what creates the demand for energy, right? If we didn't have to go anywhere, we won't need, you know, transportation. We won't need energy to run transportation. Uh, if we didn't have this desire to have build homes, we don't. We won't need heating and cooling and and um, you know all these lights that that we put on our um, our homes. So the human activities on the surface drives the energy mission, right? So that's the effect of human geography on the nation's energy mission, because we are trying to meet those energy demands and consumptions and productions from just looking at what as what the definition of human geography is, how the humans on the planet, you know, surface of the planet, how we impact the surface and in return, 
you know, how the surface of the earth impacts our behavior, right? So, um, which is an interesting uh, concept because some things we can explain of how if you live in a mountainous region, how we build our homes to be more energy efficient. And, you know, this is where we learn about the A-frame. So the snow will not stay on your roof and, and the, your roof will collapse. Um, you know, that's, these are essentially, you know, a connection between energy and, and human activities. But at the same time, you know, we also cannot explain why we want to drive a Hummer in Indiana. Right. Um, right. So, but it is the, what I mean is that, you know, those are the human choices that dictate um, our energy demand and consumption and production patterns. So there is a very intimate relations between the energy mission and human geography, and it will never go away. So that's part of the reason uh, it's been a fascinating story. Yeah, and you bring up a couple of the data sources that I know we talked about during that event. Um, Earth from space, you know, black marble, uh, mapping the electricity grid from space, looking at solar places where you can build, you know, solar. Um, so if you're interested, I just want to remind the audience, if you're interested in that event, the Human Geography Dimensions of Energy Access and Use, you can check it out on our website. There's a recording of the event. You can access all the speakers' presentations and then all of that data at www.hed.org. Yeah. Thank you, Budu. And thank you, Gwyneth. So, Budu, we won't take much more of your time. I know we get to see each other next month at the GeoInt 2022 Symposium out in Denver, Colorado. And we'll be looking forward to seeing you and the rest of your team out there. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm super excited to be out in... Um, Colorado and seeing everybody in 3D, which oh. would be a wonderful experience again. Right. Yes, it's going to be great to actually see people again. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Budo. We'll see you soon. No, thank you.